0: Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle,
1: featuring your hosts, the Rider Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Plenty more to talk about once again in the world of the NBL, in the world of basketball in general. We'll. Certainly have a chat about Michael Jordan and his last dance documentary with, with somebody that grew up idolizing the man and the Chicago Bulls. So plenty for us to talk about. We've got a very special guest and, and again, somebody with a Chicago link. So we look forward to that. But before we, before we move any further, I'm Chris Pike. Thanks for joining us once again. But the man you're all here to hear from, the Perth Wildcats legend, the creator of Redditch basketball, the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. How do I find you this week?
1: I'm getting ready to uh, get some basketball started again. It's looking like, uh, you know, with the new guidelines that uh, a lot of our programs will be able to start up um, very soon. So I'm getting excited, getting somewhat back to normal after uh, a couple of months in, in hibernation.
0: Yeah, it's it's very exciting. I mean, for someone like you who has, has spent your whole life on a basketball court and continues to spend your whole life, on a basketball court through your programs you run through Ready to Basketball. The last two months must have been like hell for you. And now that there's some light at the end of the tunnel, you must be getting pretty excited.
1: Yeah, I am. You know, there were some good things that came out of, uh, I guess, COVID-19. And just, you know, it's not always a bad thing to kind of slow the pace of life down and enjoy some of the things you probably don't get to normally. Um, plenty yeah. of time with the family and, and, I guess, just time to do stuff that... uh you don't always uh, get done, especially getting some jobs done around the house. But I think yeah. I'm at that point where I'm ready to uh, get back to a bit of normality, mm-hmm. get back out on the court, and uh, seeing the ball go through the hoop.
0: How often did you join the queue at Bunnings?
1: Oh, look. I'll, I'll, to be honest, I um, I tried to avoid Bunnings. Every time I'd drive by, mm-hmm. there was a massive queue. I said, no, <laughs> I'm
0: cool.
1: uh, I'm an impatient person. Yeah. Uh There was uh, there's this Bunnings uh, near a school that uh, I've been coaching at the last few weeks that uh, hasn't been as crazy so I'll pop in mm-hmm. there um, to get some stuff. But uh, Frank, I had quite a bit uh, just around the house that uh, needed to be done and, and had the tools so I didn't have to go there as often as uh, no, as, 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 as uh, I probably expected.
0: Now plenty for us to talk about this week. Like we keep saying every episode, we're in the NBL offseason but there's no shortage of things to talk about. We got some really good feedback from our interview last time with Way, with and and it was great great for you to to catch up with 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 stevie and and for me too as well but but now i mean we've got the illawarra hawks that are in trouble we've got the nbl's opt-out period which which ended since we last spoke about it so plenty to dissect there as the clubs now try to put together their rosters for the the 2021 nbl season um and and like i said got a special guest the man that Ended up being your injury replacement when you had your horrific hip and pelvis injury back in 2011. Andre Brown was very lucky, lucky to catch up with him from his home in Florida. So that was a a fascinating chat about his time here in Perth and everything that he did in his basketball career. So really looking forward to bringing that to you as well. But before we get into anything more, let's touch on Chicago and... The Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. Um, the Last Dance documentary, it's, it's come out at a perfect opportunity, I guess, when the whole world has been sitting at home craving something to watch. And it's taken the world by storm. And it's almost brought Michael Jordan back to back to the prominence that he, he was at, I guess, when we were both growing up watching and idolizing him in the, in the 1990s. What have you made of the documentary and the way that it has taken the world, I guess, by storm as it has?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's been really well done. I love how they, you know, they'll go start on a story back in the nineties, you know, early nineties, and then they'll jump mm. forward to ninety eight and, uh, and, and how the season progressed. And there's a lot of interesting backstories that I guess, um, you didn't really know about during that season and how it all panned out the, the relationship between Jordan and Pippen and Rodman. Mm. Um, and then you see Steve Kerr and, and just his inside and the connection there with, with Steve Kerr's dad and, and also Michael Jordan losing his dad. So it's been uh it, I guess it's been great the the insight that you get to see within a team and all the, the different characteristics and the relationships and, and the backstories to a lot of these gods has been fun and I'm sure for people who haven't been in that team environment as well, it's it's really interesting to see a team dynamic and kind of get them back in inroads to things but also i mean michael jordan i mean there is no mm-hmm. bigger sporting figure that i've seen in my lifetime um, the impact that he's had so to kind of get an inside glimpse of what life was like what his mentality has been 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 really fun but also you know i think it uh goes back to there's this debate you know who's the greatest of all time lebron and michael and i think uh this kind of gives uh, a little bit more credence to to that debate, and maybe for the the younger generation out there at the moment might give a little bit more respect to what Michael Jordan was able to accomplish in his career.
0: The thing I've loved about it is Jordan's always been famous for being such a private person and not wanting to open up about i guess his feelings on things and and to reveal too much and he's he's kept his whole life like that, but this is the most revealing. Set of interviews I've ever seen him do, and it's created a, a hell of an insight into the man that's been behind behind the legend. Is it the most you've ever learned learned about him as well?
1: Yeah, and the most I've I've learned about him talking about, especially his mentality, the relationships yeah. he had off the court. And I'd like to see more documentaries like oh. this. I mean, I think hopefully that something that might come good out of this is we get to see the backstory, and more of these athletes allow us into their their inner circle and find out you know what's made them who they are today how are they able to still perform when the weight of the world on their shoulders and you know after a tough loss what you know what does michael jordan say how does he act when he gets out on the plane and, and ready to get ready for for the next game so it's uh and then also to hear from his competitors as well what they they saw in him and, and how they react to it you know reggie miller and john stockton carl malone those Those were great battles, and uh, it's fun to kind of see their side of it as well.
0: How much respect do you gain for somebody like Carl Malone, who after losing a second straight final series to Jordan and the Bulls to actually be man enough to walk onto that bus and congratulate them and to, you know, just to, just to shake their hands. That, that, is a, that is a hell of an effort and it shows what sort of a man Carl Malone was.
1: I think so too. And, uh, you know, I was watching the the episode, you know, on the couch with my wife and it said, I, I love that, that Carl Malone did that. You know, that must mm-hmm. have been so hard. I know after a loss and, you know, they hadn't won a championship, they were so close. They felt like they had, had a great opportunity and to see that slip away, but still, you know, go on and congratulate, uh, the Bulls and, and especially Michael Jordan. That was, um, yeah, it gave me, uh, another appreciation and just watching some of those films, you kind of forget how big and strong and tough Carl Malone was. Yeah. I mean, he just, you talk about a guy, you know, we talk about NBL people that are consistent. Um, and, you know, Nick Kay's going to get his 20 and 10 on most nights. That's Carl mm-hmm. Malone. He was just an unbelievable work ethic and and just always seem to uh produce night in and night
0: out the thing i love about what this documentary has done is that for people like us that grew up in the in the 90s and we we knew how amazing this bull scene was and it's been it's allowed us to i guess relive that a little bit and also learn more about it but also for the younger generation who have grown up thinking that I guess LeBron James is the best thing since sliced bread. It's shown, it's shown them that Michael Jordan was actually much more than just the, the logo that's on their, on their basketball shoes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about it as well is Jordan did all this um, without all the social media presence yeah. and, you know, to be able to have an impact on the world and bring the NBA to the level that it is now. I still remember when I moved over to Australia, Tasmania um, back in 2005 and and or sorry 2004 a lot of my teammates they had all the Michael Jordan DVDs and they just spoke about him and this was you know all the way across the world that you know, just the impact that he had and what he brought you know all I think every single NBA athlete um, is benefiting from um I guess the recognition that Jordan brought to the NBA and basketball as a whole.
0: Obviously, in Nebraska, you didn't have your own NBA team. Were the Bulls always your team growing up?
1: Yeah, we had them on Channel 9. Um, we had the Chicago TV station. We watched the Bulls, and I watched the Chicago Cubs um, mm-hmm. anytime they were on. So it was, uh, you know, I, I got got the Jordan go through that era of, you know, trying to beat the Pistons and finally get over the top, and then uh you know, win the three championships, retire. I was, I was, that was right into when I was starting to get into my basketball. So it brings back mm-hmm. a lot of uh, special childhood memories.
0: Did you ever get to see him play live?
1: No, I never got to see him play live. I mean, I didn't go to it. My first NBA game, I think, was when I w- went to college and uh, got to see the Phoenix Suns yep. play there living living in 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 Phoenix and arizona, so but it was um you know I didn't get to see many live n b a games, so I never got to see a chance to to see Michael Jordan in person, which is probably something i, I wish I would have uh had the opportunity but mm-hmm. uh yeah I was uh, you know I still a lot of great memories of you know him just one thing I just loved about him he just seemed to always hit the clutch shot, and you know if there was a basket be made, there was no one else in the world you wanted the ball in the hands of Michael jordan.
0: Yeah, and I, I just don't think there's anybody that's ever walked the earth that has that same competitive drive to just have to win at every everything he does. And I think that's just that's just what's been highlighted through this that he he'll just win at all costs. And if you're his teammate, you have to come along for that ride with him, or else he just won't tolerate anything but that. And I think this has highlighted that, and it's been been fascinating to watch. And also some more insight into that from a Chicago native, Andre. Brown, I'll speak to him about it, about it later on. He's got some good insights to to provide as well. Um, let's go a bit closer to home now, Sean. We'll talk about the NBL opt-out period, which finished since we did our last our last episode. And at the time, it looked like it was going to be disastrous for the for the NBL. But in the end, obviously Bryce Cotton, Nick Kay, Casper Ware, Xavier Cooks, and Matt Holchin were the five players to opt out from their their contracts after the after the, the pay cuts up to 50%. For each players were were implemented for the upcoming season. Since then, Matt Hodgson has opted back in at the Brisbane Bullets. So I think we can assume he's signed a new contract. So under new terms, he's going to remain at the at the Bullets. Uh, and and we spoke to Cam Glidden, actually. Obviously. Um, last week, since we spoke to Stevie Way, and so sorry to forget about Cam, but but Cam was was even when we spoke to him last week, pretty confident that Matty Honchin and the rest of that Bullets team would be able to to stay together. So I mean, it, it's actually not looking too bad now for the league now that these players can renegotiate a new deal. We might not end up losing as many big names as we thought.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting. I think the the thing is to getting some of those big names potentially. Back from Europe, but uh, it's good yeah. that Matty Hodgson is going to stick around. Obviously, I think there was a bit of worry Will Magne, you know, might try mm-hmm. and uh, go overseas or apply his trade in the in the NBA potentially as well. But so you know, Brisbane I think is looking good as long as they can uh, get two two solid imports. I think they're going to be competitive, um, yeah. and have a real good chance next year. I think with those guards and and the bigs that they have, it's uh, you know that's a good combination, especially with only two imports. That, uh, you need to really, your, your local talent needs to really step up and be a little bit more important than maybe last year. And, and then, you know, it's going to be interesting as well with Nick Kay, Bryce Cotton. Now that they're coming out and saying they can actually renegotiate, I think there's some pretty good chances that those guys. Will stick around. I mean, we know they're they're both still here in Perth. Casper Ware. We'll see Xavier Cooks. I think my guess on them is they're going to explore it a little bit more and maybe they'll sign late. But he, he, the fact that these guys can now renegotiate, I think, is a good sign that we can uh, we could see them back in the NBL, which is uh, what everyone's hoping for.
0: Yeah, and I guess. The Perth Wildcats listeners that we've got are pretty keen to find out what's happening with Bryce and Nick. Are you are you more and more confident every day that one or both of those two will end up end up coming back to Perth for next season?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think w- at least they'll get one of them. I don't yeah. know. I, I would. I have a feeling. I'd be more inclined to say they'll get Bryce Cotton than Nick Kay. I think Nick Kay's at that point in his career where he just kind of wants to feel. Can he compete at that next level potentially? Mm-hmm. Can he get to a uh, a top tier European team? Uh, you yeah, I kind of liken him to maybe Matty Nielsen back when he was at the Sydney Kings and, you know, probably the best Australian and maybe even the best player in the league at that stage. And then he went over to Europe because he, you know, he'd kind of accomplished what he needed to here and wanted to have that next challenge. And that's where I think Nick Kay is. He just wants it. It's not obviously the money thing hurt, but I think it's also a challenge thing for him. Whereas I think Bryce Cotton is, you know, the guy's played in the NBA. He's played over in Europe, you know, as long as they can get the financial considerations. I mean, he loves it here in Perth, so I think he's more likely to stay than Nick K.
0: Yeah, I think in Nick's case, it's, it's a case that he wants to challenge himself, but I also feel like he thinks it might give him the best chance of going to the Olympics next year if he's also played overseas and has experienced the European basketball as well, so I think I think it's probably twofold he's he's thinking there. Um and I maintain that if Nick Kay leaves the Wildcats, I still think Harry Frolling is the man that they should be throwing everything at. I think I think he would arrive in Perth re re motivated to get back to the kind of shape and form that he was at, you know, eighteen months ago and I think he would be a he'd be a great replacement for Nick Kay if you need to replace him.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point for, for Harry. It's just a matter of what's his mindset, you know? Do you want to come in as as we saw in that rookie season where he was determined to kind of, you know, mark his stamp on the league and, and show that he belonged? Or is he going to take a step back where we saw in year two? Um, and, and we don't know what's happening behind the scenes and, and all those things. My guess is there was some, some internal friction there that didn't allow him to uh, play his best. So it would, uh, you know, we've seen a few guys that come be able to come out west and i guess the strong culture that they do have there at the wildcats helps them to to kind of really hold them accountable and propel them to that next stage in their career
0: we've talked a lot on this show over the last you know seven or eight months about the cairns taipans and how well they did with their three imports obviously they could only bring two of them back now under the new rules but cam oliver won't be one of them he's signed in in europe so he won't be coming back to the cairns taipans how much of a blow is that that they know that they won't be able to bring him back
1: yeah, it's a huge huge blow. I think he's um he's one of those guys that he's a rare talent and the ability to rebound it in but then knock down that three point shot. And uh, you know, he works so well with Machado, I thought as well, those two guys a one two combination. Mm-hmm. It's a uh it's gonna be tough. It's tough to fawn guys like that. You know, a lot of those guys are kind of top level Europe. So uh, you know, I think cans type in. But you know, I won't put it Cans does they seem to always fawn really good imports. Um, they You know they don't have the the biggest budget, but they uh, do a great job. The fact that they, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of travel. There's no summer league. I'll be interested to see if that impacts on the, on the quality of import that, that we're able to attract this year because it's all. I, I think it's tougher to kind of gauge a, a player's ability to interact with their teammate, their you know their character, and then also there's something to be said about seeing a guy play live than just on a film. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's gonna it's gonna make the scouting resources that these teams have a lot more important. The fact that they can't go over there and meet with these guys and I guess determine if they're the right fit for them.
0: No, you're right. Anyone can look, look good on a highlight tape. It's a lot harder to actually actually back up what you're doing in the course of a game, or to then show to, to show it in person as well. Um, we've had a couple of questions, Sean, because of the amount of players that we might have been expecting to leave the league. Um, Got a couple of questions coming in, wondering if there's any chance of a comeback for one season from from the scoring machine. What do you think?
1: No, 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 no chance of uh, <laughs> of me coming back playing. Um, I'm I'm enjoying that that next age. I don't. Uh, I think the the NBL days have passed me by. But uh, I guess I respect the uh, the question that, uh, you know, that I I could maybe lace them up, but that, uh, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll say uh, that's a definite no uh, from my end.
0: Hmm. Well, having seen you play the SBL even as recently as last year, I think he could still contribute, but I understand the toll physically and mentally that it would take, and the fact that you'd probably have to give up a lot of your business, it probably means that it's not possible. Some disappointing news at the Illawarra Hawks. They continue to to struggle financially the players haven't been haven't had their their I guess their their deals met they they're well behind on their payments to their players and and staff the owner of Simon Stratford has had the license taken away from him so the NBL has taken it back and the NBL is at the moment in charge of the of the running of the club they're trying to find a new owner there was talk of Lamelo Ball potentially putting together a, a syndicate to buy the club I'm not sure how realistic or possible that is but right now they they're in liquidation and And the future doesn't look great. I guess in the short term, the NBL is probably willing to keep them afloat, maybe for this current 2021 season, if they can't find a new owner. But beyond that, I think it's probably unlikely. And unless we find a white knight type saviour, the future of the last remaining foundation club is probably on pretty shaky ground.
1: Yeah, I guess from my thinking, is a concern is this is the first time. I mean, this is probably mm-hmm. the third or fourth time that it's kind of come out that Illawarra is on shaky ground. Are they going to be able to pay their players, you know, searching for a new owner? And so you just got to wonder how long they can continue that pattern over eight to you know it's probably been eight to ten years where they've kind of really struggled to and they still have a competitive team you know i think yeah. it, everyone has a tremendous amount of respect to feel like illawar each year is going to kind of punch above their weight and and had some chances to potentially win some some championships and get to some grand finals so i think it's a credit to uh the heart that that the team has shown over the years but they just haven't been able to get the crowd i mean you look at Difference between, say, a Cairns and a Townsville and an Illawarra over the last, say, eight to 10 years. You know, obviously, we know Townsville wasn't able to make it because they couldn't, the crowds just dropped off. I think from that kind of 2009 10 era to to today, they just, until they, they went out of the league a few years ago illaware is in that same boat the one thing Cairns has been able to i think they can survive because they're they're filling their stadiums but mm-hmm. you know if they're only going to get 2 3000 people to a stadium and they're trying to compete with a team like the Perth Wildcats who get 13,000 or the Sydney Kings who are, you know, drawing 10 to 12,000 on on a, on a weekly basis. It's just going to be so hard. And then you don't have the, you know, it's a smaller town anyway. So you don't have those, those resources and those, those big companies that are willing to, you know, throw some, some big dollar to their corporate sponsorship. So it's always going to be hard, but they really need to get that support, but they haven't had that for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully they can get someone in there that, you know, can drive some passion, um, get some fans back in the game. But, you know, if, if, if you had to ask me what's going to happen down the track, I would think that maybe they'll look at relocating, um, at some point if, uh, if they can't get the sport over the next year or two or, or lose the license. Uh, You know, one thing I do like is the NBL's come out and said, you know, we're going to make sure the players are supported and they will, um, they will be paid out their contract. Um, which I think is what kind of the, the NBL set up a, a few years ago when there was that issue of a few teams not being able to pay. They kind yeah. of set up the hardship fund. There is that fund to be able to, to cover the players' wages so they're, they're not out of, out of pocket. Uh, and so th- I love that the league's come out. I love that they've come out and instantly said, look, the Illawar Hawks are going to be in the league next year. Um, and we are, you know, doing our due diligence. Hopefully they can find an owner sooner rather than later. Because, you know, come July 1st when free agency supposedly is supposed to open up, they're going to need to find mm. some players to be competitive
0: yeah, I mean, no one wants to see them see them leave. They've got such a rich history as a club, but I guess there just comes a point when we're seeing, you know, like you said, the, the massive crowds in Perth and Sydney and Melbourne, the Adelaide crowds have gone up. The the Cairns Stadium is pretty much at capacity. Brisbane seems to be on the improve. The Breakers, now they're playing at Spark Arena, are getting terrific crowds. Um, The, the whole league seems to be moving in a positive direction and the Hawks just seems to be the one club that that isn't so I think there just has to come a point where where you cut your losses and as, as hard as it is and as as big of a blow it will be to a lot of people in, in the region and involved in the club but maybe it just has to happen because there's not much evidence that even if a new owner comes in and he's willing to support them that the community is going to turn out and force to support them so yeah, let's hope that's not the case. But I think the writing is on the wall, where whether it's in the next twelve months or twenty-four or thirty-six months, that they either probably have to fold or or re- relocate, and it's going to be tough. But yeah, you know, I just think it's probably got to a point now where it's not going to change.
1: No, I think you're right. It's a it- and I've said this before, I think, on the show, is that when I came into the league, Illawarra and Townsville were the two toughest places to play. Um, They were getting the great, the best crowds. I kind of thought at that point, you know, it was those small kind of regional markets that were actually more tailored to the NBL because you kind of had those passionate fans, and there was a bit of sense of pride being a small town to Mm -hmm. be able to beat those those bigger cities. But somewhere along the way, they kind of lost that connection in Townsville and, and also in Illawarra.
0: Yeah, similar to what we spoke to to Cam Glidden about last week, just how much pride that they had running out onto the floor representing the City of Cairns up against the big market teams. So, yeah, uh, it's disappointing. But let's move on, Sean. Let's go to our our interview for this week. Andre Brown was very lucky enough to catch up with him. in the end he was only in perth for 2 months but you know I got to know him reasonably well at that time and I still have fond memories of that and and he certainly has fond memories of his time in perth and 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 throwing a punch Gary Wilkinson's way in his last game was probably probably a nice way for for him to, to bow out as well but interestingly he was the man that ended up replacing you once you had your your horrible horrible injury and he ended up getting to stay because of because of that um you didn't spend a lot of time with him you probably only had two or three two or three training sessions you played one full game with him in a, in a home game against Townsville And then his second game was in the game In Adelaide where you got injured um, What memories do you have of Andre?
1: Yeah, I remember that first training. He came in, and he was just a presence about himself. You know, I think he's got the beast uh, tattoo yep. on on his, on his arm, and uh, you know, he seemed to throw his weight around pretty well and, and kind of hold a presence about himself. And, and obviously had uh, had some some tremendous athleticism. So I think that that's you know where you know he was able to get into the NBA and, and have a, a presence. You know, I was only able to see him train for a few times, played pretty much. Yeah, you're right, two games, and uh, so I didn't get to see a whole lot of them in person obviously i was still watching the games and you know i think he he had an impact and uh you know it would be you know the thing i love that we're we're able to do is go find out what's what's happened to these guys Uh, you know everyone's got a story and to find out you know kind of where their career went what what are they up to these days uh you know i always find that fascinating and uh, to find out uh, everyone's story from because being a yeah, you know an import you know you just got so many stories they, they've traveled all around the world they've played in so many different environments so it's it's always fun to, to catch up with uh with those teammates
0: absolutely let's get straight to it okay we're back here on Hoop Sevens basketball hustling a great pleasure of mine to reconnect with somebody who it was only a couple of months that he ended up spending in perth but i spent plenty of time with him obviously sean played alongside him ultimately ultimately it was only for for one full game before Sean went down injured which we'll we'll chat about in in a in a, in a little while but yeah great pleasure for mine to reconnect now with with Andre Brown. We find him in in Florida right now. He's a native of Chicago. Andre, thanks very much for joining us.
2: Yeah. Hey, right. thanks for having
3: me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.
0: Before we get into some basketball talk Andre, obviously, the whole world right now is is struck down by COVID-19. In your experience there in in florida you can tell us a bit more about exactly where you're you're living what's what's how has life been affected so far
3: well
2: you know as you said i'm i'm out here in florida with my family man my wife's from from florida born and raised um i'm a chicago kid so this is a big change for me yeah but uh the, the the weather kept me down here so i can't i can't complain too much but i mean it's 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 been it's been good for me out here you know Pretty much established myself out here Um, as a coach now. And, you know, I had my first son this year. Living here has been tremendous. I always be a Chicago kid. Like I said, I'm in Chicago. But as far as, you know, everything that's going on, you know, uh, me, Individually, I'm taking precautions. My family's taking precautions. Um, and the world's affected by this unfortunate, you know, pandemic, man. And it's, it's kind of got everybody at a standstill. So I'm just being patient. You know, I'm, I'm praying, uh, making sure my family's good. Uh, we've been good. You know, we've been following all the rules and we're just praying and hoping, you know, uh, something happens. I don't know. If you know, we'll get a vaccine or what may happen, but we're just praying for a positive outcome on this. So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. But like I said, on top of that, spending more time with my family. Mm. Um, I'm enjoying the beautiful weather in Florida. So, I mean, there's it's some good and bad to it, man. I try to look on the upside of things and on the upside of life and try to put that into perspective, man, that you get to spend more time with your family.
0: Well, especially if you've got a, a newborn son. I mean, to be able to spend plenty of time at home with him and your wife, If you try to find a positive in everything, that's a a great positive out of this.
2: Absolutely. 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 You know, he's giving me a new outlook on things, man, and uh, making me want to be a better person Mm. and show him kind of some of what I went through, but want him to be uh, better in that aspect. So it's, it's a wonderful experience, man. Fatherhood is great.
0: Before we talk about your experience down in Australia at the Perth Wildcats, obviously you're a you're, you're from Chicago, you played, you know, you grew up in Chicago, you played high school basketball at Chicago, you went to college at DePaul in Chicago. So Chicago's a huge part of your life. The other big thing that's happening in the world right now has been the Last Dance documentary. I'm assuming you've had a chance mm-hmm. to watch it. What have your impressions been of, of what you've seen and I guess how the, the whole world has been caught up by Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls once again?
2: Well, I mean, like I have mentioned before, I'm from Chicago, man, and <laughs> that, Michael Jordan's been huge, man. I've been watching Michael Jordan since I was a kid, man. I remember mm-hmm. when they, you know, won the 1993 championship and how the city just went crazy. Yeah. They were, you know, the, the police had to shut down, you know, certain uh, streets in downtown. So it was a crazy time, man. And looking at the last dance, just kind of take me back because when I was a kid, I used to collect. Michael Jordan basketball card. So I was mm-hmm. always a big fan. always admired his game. He was competitive, man, and seeing that in another person, it just kind of gave you fire to want to go out and do what he did, or kind of get close to it. So it, it took me back, man. I mean, Michael Jordan to me is, is is at the top of that top of that list, man, and everybody else following. Him, you know. It, it's 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 a good time now that that they're showing this. You know, while everybody's inside, yeah. inside, to, you know, kind of trying kind to of show how great of a player he was and also you know for the new generation you know who never got to see michael jordan play or you know understood kind of what he brought with that chicago thing because you see kids today they're all wearing the shoes (laughs) they don't really know who michael jordan is you know and that kind of that 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 last dance kind of put everything into perspective man it was it was a good thing for us i'm glad you know the world got that that was a positive from a sports uh outlook so I was, I, was, I was very proud of that. And to be from Chicago, it meant a lot, too, because we got a lot, of, a lot of players that come from Chicago, and we knew what Jordan represented, and we knew kind of knew what Chicago was about. And it kind of, you know, it's like a family. You know, the basketball world is small, so it's kind of brought us together in a, in a crazy way. <laughs> Everybody's talking about it, you know? That, yeah. Every day is new.
0: Is there anything new you learned from the the documentary or was there anything that surprised you or or did were you just happy with that it was so well made How, what, what was your what did you come away feeling about it
2: Nothing. The only thing that kind of surprised me was I didn't I didn't realize that Scotty was underpaid. Scotty Fisher mm. from all this time because I, I I knew I knew how good he was and I yeah. knew that he complimented Michael Jordan so much. You yeah. saw so many so many things in Scotty that you didn't see and I didn't know that. That kind of threw me for a loop because that was surprising. I thought he was you know at least the second uh, highest paid player on the team, but he wasn't. He was like the fifth or the sixth, and that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but everything else wasn't surprised. Um you know, Jordan. People mentioned uh, Jordan as a teammate, <laughs> and BJ made a strong argument for a truth that I mean, he couldn't be that nice of a guy to really have that killer mentality. Oh, what guy do you know yeah. is a nice? You know, you know he means he means well. You know, yeah. he he loves his teammates at the end of the day. But when it comes to one, win, if you can't be nice, yeah. and that was I don't, I don't think that's um, something that people thought, you know, yeah. understood. So, but it was great, man. It was great. I'm not going to yeah, lie. It, it just took me back because I used to have all the Michael Jordan tapes and all the uh, everything when I was a kid. So yeah, seeing clips like, like this. Yeah, and me like,
0: too. We, we caught that phase down under even.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 was, it was fun, man. It was fun. I, I'm glad. I'm, I'm mad it's over. <laughs> so I wish well, I had 10
0: episodes almost seems like it wasn't <laughs> enough. It, 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 it 20 episodes, man. That was a long <laughs> season. <laughs> Um, let's, let's take a look at your, your own journey, Andre. Um, obviously, after, after your time at, at DePaul University, where you had a, a terrific career, you started out playing, playing in Italy, Montenegro, Korea. Um, I think you had a stint yeah. in the G League as well. And then life brought you to the Perth Wildcats. Obviously, during that 2010-2011 season, I think you firstly arrived because Maddie Knight got injured, and then you ended up staying once right. Sean Redditch got injured. Ended up being two months. You went to a to a playoff run, and I still remember that, that three-game series against the New, New Zealand Breakers, and, and you had that remarkable yeah. win over in New Zealand in Game 1, <laughs> but then Kirk Penning, that game that he played in Perth is one of the all-time great NBL performances and then Game 3 just didn't go to plan back in New Zealand for, for you and the team.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, I guess, first of all, how did it come about that you, you were the man that ended up arriving mid-season to try to, to cover for those, those injuries?
3: If
2: I if I think back, man, I think I was sitting home, I'm not sure hmm. why well, in particular I was home. I think I came from I think I was somewhere else and maybe the season ended or something like that. But I remember my agent calling me about Australia. And and my first my first initial thought was, They got basketball in Australia? You know, I'm <laughs> like, uh i never been to Australia. Really. Mm. so it's like, no, they got basketball. You know, it's a big league. You know, I did my research. You know, I saw, saw how strong it was. Saw that they had guys like Kirk Penny. Yeah. And um, I believe it was, uh, I remember, uh, I didn't know Andrew Bogie was from there. And it was another kid. So another yeah. tall kid played for, the, I want to say he played for the Kings. He was like feet. I forget his name, but he was nice. Mm. And I'm like, okay, they got a pretty nice league. Yeah. And it was me coming over there was one of those, I didn't know I was going to be there, you know, longer than I was. I'm going to go come over here, you know, do my mom uh fill in for this guy and leave and get out. But, you know, unfortunate incidents happened with Sean um, and I ended up staying. Mm. So... That to me was good because, you know, I felt appreciative and, you know, the team wanted me back. They kind of vouched for me and, you know, I was, I was willing to stay. I was just mad that, and I me mean, in particular, no one knew. I was upset at the fact that I didn't have more time to prepare sure. and, and, and more of a time with the guys because those little months, they went back quick, man. and. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't in the best shape as a player. I wish I was there for the full season, to where though I got acclimated with the climate change um and everything else, because it was it was it was different for me. I took two planes to get over there, like twenty two hours. So yeah. I remember coming in. I played good the first game against uh Big Luke Schenscher, who was there,
3: That's right, seven
2: footer. So, yeah, you know, they had some some good players, man. It was a tough league. It was a tough, tough league, you know, and I had a great time outside of basketball. Um, like I was telling you in the conversation earlier, like the people were nice, man. They welcomed me in with open arms. It was fun. I was doing things I've never done. Like we did that, uh, That banquet where we had, where we danced on stage. That's right. I think it was me to judge. It was a fun time, man. It was was like the last, I forget what it was, like a, uh, we did like a play or something like that. So, it was fun, man. I I had fun with those guys, you know, and and just hanging with a team like that kind of, it, it's kind of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was, it was good, man, because I've never been around a team like that where everybody got along with each other. I mean, mm-hmm. from the first guy to the last guy. And, and the coaches were cool. Coach Berry was cool, man. So, like I said, I just, I wish I had a longer time there. And you mentioned <laughs> the New Zealand game, which was a crazy time because that place can't get crazy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't
3: understand,
2: I didn't understand a lot of the culture. With the, uh, with the New Zealand and, and, and the basketball and seeing them do that gas before. Yeah. That was different for me. But it was a good game. They had some great players too, man. I was, I was just frustrated, man. I wasn't mm. playing well. And I was always taught to stand up for my teammates. And unfortunately, it kind of cost us at a, you know, important time of the game. Um, but you
0: know, running with Gary Wilkins, the redhead.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, he was talking a little trash. He was, he yep. was crappy. A crafty guy. Like, I can't yep. take anything away from that. That, that league was tough man and it's still it's still good i still follow it to this day because you, you guys the, the, the league has gotten up there you know it's, mm. it's it's a big league and everybody wants to come to australia now and and it wasn't like that before you know yeah. but they're seeing that the league is strong and they're seeing the players that produce it which and you know with the young kid Lamello going over there yep. trying to trying to put it back on the map you know and it, it, it looks good right now it looks good
0: Now, you touched on it before. I remember talking to you at the time when you first arrived and you just come from, it was in Chicago, you were sitting in snow back home in Chicago and you arrive in Perth in Australia and it's pretty much 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, How tough was that to adjust? And and also, how much of a difference do you think it would have made had you been here for the start of the season and done the preseason instead of having to arrive mid-season and I guess be looked at as the saviour to cover for the injuries instead?
2: Being from Chicago, man, it snows <laughs> every every year, man. You're mm-hmm. not gonna go a year without snow. Yep. And it's freezing. And you know, that could be frustrating at times. Your car gets cold, you can't move it, or you can't come out the house. The snow is building up. And you know, and going from that to coming to cause I've been to some nice places, don't get me wrong. Even mm-hmm. playing in Korea, it's snow. It's snow. China, it's snow. Yep. But going to Australia, oh my god As soon as I step off the plane, it's it's hot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the place is open, it's free. You know, you're driving on the left side. That's different, yeah. man. <laughs> Everything's clean. The the weather was beautiful the beach was beautiful mm-hmm. the people were beautiful i mean how can i leave this place
3: man It's <laughs> ridiculous
2: you know <laughs> and you know i came over there at the time my wife was pregnant at the time i'm like oh mm-hmm. man i can't really enjoy it <laughs> but it was it was fun man it was it was the, the weather was nice you know like i said um it was it was hard to kind of play in a place like that man because you go on to practice you get out you go to the beach man like that's the life You know, the the food was great. I I had had a good time, man, and and I I, I look back. I I wish for me as a player, you want to get acclimated with your teammates early, you know, preparing for a season, and I wish I would have got that opportunity. Knowing what I know now, seeing how big the league was and what it did, what it would have did for my career, you know, had I sustained a great season, um, it would have looked good, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, being with those guys early, we would have knew each other's games early on. I would have been in better shape. Um, you know, it, it, those those are the positives I can look at from it. So it, it's that's always the plus. you know. The, but coming in, how I came in, it's kind of hard to. You know, because you don't know if you're gonna throw off the chemistry of the team, or you can be, you know, a a plus. You just never know. It can work out or it can't work out. You just hope for the best. But we, you know, those kind of things would already been dealt with. You know, how we all met earlier. You know, and it just we would have been that much stronger toward the end. So however it worked out, I still enjoyed it. My teammates still welcomed me, man, treating me as a brother. Even without basketball, we had a good time. So I still talk to a few of those guys today. So it's It goes beyond basketball. It was just good meeting good people, and I appreciated that.
0: Now, the second game you played, obviously, the co-host with me on this, on this podcast is Sean Reddige. You only got to play one full yeah. game with him. The second game was the game in Adelaide where he went down went to, he went down with his injury, and, and it, was, it was one of the most horrific things we've seen where, in the end, he ended up, I think he fractured his pelvis, he dislocated his hip, and, and we were very quickly oh, yeah, to yeah. play basketball again, and he'd be, he'd be lucky to even be able to walk normal, normally again. Do you remember that, that incident, and do you remember what you were, you were thinking when you saw it happen?
2: I, I I do remember that, and I remember going in the locker room. He was in so much pain, yeah. and the doctor saying it was his hip. And no basketball player, I don't care if you're on an opposing team or on your team, you don't want to see a guy get hurt. And seeing that, I mean, I'm thinking about his health first. You know, I'm thinking about family because I'm just that caring guy like "Ah, I hope you get through this you know to some players you know you get hurt you don't know if he'll come back mentally you know it'll it'll throw your game off or it'll steer you away from uh, coming back to play but uh, in the same sense it was an opportunity you know, a guy goes down. I had to be ready. I had to prepare myself right then and there mentally that you're going to be here a little longer. So yeah. you better get with the, get with the program and get acclimated with that team a little bit faster. So it was, it was good for me, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad Sean pulled through as well. And I'm, I'm glad he got, you know, he got back healthy, yeah. but you know, you don't want to see that. Like I said, you know, you don't want to see that, but it was an opportunity and I had to be prepared at that point.
0: I mean, to think that Sean was able to come back from that injury and end up playing oh, yeah. almost 200 yeah. more games in the NBL and win three cha- championships, and then today to still be playing at a state level here in Perth, that, it, it's pretty remarkable to think, given how serious that injury was at the time.
2: Right. No, absolutely. Like I said, most guys don't come back from that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I think he was a little bit, I don't know, Sean Mennon was around the same age. I don't know how old he was. you same
0: age. You are the same age.
2: But, Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it all depends, you know, if he had that, you know, it, it could have been one of those things like, all right, this is it for me. You know, I'm done. Man, yep. I can't do this no more. But if you're a player who still has a lot left in the tank and you kind of didn't, you know, he's probably one of those guys who wanted to finish well and I want to yep. finish walking on my feet. You know, I want to really finish this thing. So in that sense, you have to have that mindset for the next season. you got to train that ha- that much harder to get yourself, stronger again and to come back better than before you went down with the injury so I think he took that mindset and said look I'm gonna end this well." and to come back from that injury and to still be effective <laughs> you don't see and that's a tough lead man he was playing like mm. a 3-4 position so he's doing a lot of movement and banging with a lot of guys so yeah man that's remarkable for anybody to come back from a you know a gruesome injury that a probably sideline got, you know for their career so that was a blessing in itself too and I'm glad he kind of bounced back from that hearing that yeah it was good to see him walk. It was good to see him walking in that event, that last uh, yeah, the NBA dance. the was people. yeah, it was good to see him dance. Like, oh wow, you know. <laughs> and, and it was good for him to show his face because yeah. you don't know what an injury will do for guys. You know, some mm-hmm. injuries put guys in dark places. They think it's over. You know, you yeah. just you just don't know. But he he was he was good. He was good. I'm just that was good to see.
0: Did you manage to get through your career without any serious injuries? Is your body pretty good right now?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I made it out okay, man. Like I said, my injuries came early. Um, the only major injury I had was um, getting the scope of my knee. You know, I had like little torn cartilage in my knee, but I, I don't know if it helped me back then, but early on in my career, like in high school, I was always trained. I was always lifting weights, so... Um, now at 39, man, I feel I feel great. I mean, the only thing that's happening now is I'm getting fat. So, but other than that, I'm o- I'm okay, man. angry wise.
0: With that Wildcats team you were part of, if I if you were to know at the time that they would go on to win, I guess what what are we in the in the eight years since they've they've won five more championships and and guys like Damien Martin and Jesse Wagstaff, who you played with. Have now won six championships with the, the Perth Wildcats. Did wow. you get a sense then wow. that they were on on the I, I, on the brink of something special? That's
2: that's good to hear because I never I I've heard how because I played with Damien, and uh, who was oh, the other tough tough kid man mm. he was tough uh, on our team. What's his name? Uh, I know Big Matty. Uh, But but anyway, they always used to tell me about Jesse. I never got a chance to play with Jesse because I think he was hurt too when I was playing. he was injured, yeah. He was injured, but I saw that he had a little game. He was yeah. nice, and, and and that that kind of, you know, when you see players like that, that complimenting other guys because they make other guys play well, too. You know, and Kirk was one of those teams where we had guys all in the right positions. We had the right one guard in Kevin. We had a two guard in Danny. We had Maddie playing the four. I'm at the five. Yeah. It's just, and everybody played well together, and I like that about that team. They all played well. So I'm not surprised, even with Coach. Uh, Coach Bevers over there. I'm not surprised with them winning. You know those chips. Man, they were on the brink of that. With Damien playing so hard, he was nice. He's good, man. Underrated. He was nice. I know good players when I see them. And, and Big maddie he was tough. Yep. <laughs> he was tough. So it was yeah. it was just good to see, man. It
3: was it, good to see it happen
0: One guy I'm fascinated to ask you about is Artem Majuk. I'm not sure how you remember him. He he ended up staying less of an amount of a time as you did, but he left a lasting impression in good and and bad ways. What do you What do you think of when you remember playing with Atia?
3: Atia, a, with a of big fella. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he he was funny, man. He was he was super young too. I think he was a rookie. He was just coming out of school, yeah, he so you you could tell you could tell he needed some grooming. But it was the potential there. It was yep. it, it was it, he was maybe six ten, six eleven long and and athletic, and he had room to grow, and as a rookie, my my mindset, my work ethic was probably a lot higher than his, because I, I hung with guys older than me, so they always kind of ruined me into that sense, you know, I remember some of the guys you on him about coming late to, to uh, weight training, you know, Damian and those guys used to get on him, and I used to, you know, like, come on, man, you got to kind of... Get a routine, but you don't want to, you know, come in. You're the rookie. You can't be the last guy in the gym, yeah. you know. So he had he he had potential. I'm not sure what he's doing now. I know he was, he stayed over there for a couple more years, right?
0: Yeah, he's, he's a fascinating story. The end of that season, he got drafted by the Lakers. Never ended up playing in the NBA. He went on to spend a lot of time in Lebanon, where he's now a citizen and he's played for their national team. But this past season, he came back to play in the NBL and he was playing at the New Zealand Breakers, so it's good to see him back. But yeah, it's been a journey for a guy that was very interesting when he was here.
2: Yeah, he was funny. He was definitely the (laughs) the (laughs) laugh that we needed on a daily basis. He was a funny kid, man. He was a funny kid. (laughs) Thinking
0: thinking of that final series that you you did end up playing in, do you do do you think that if it wasn't for Kirk Penny in that game two in Perth that it was potentially a championship that got away. Uh,
2: I, I, you know what? I think so. They were they were the only complete team with him. He made everybody better, and he was the only, and the only advantage he had over Kevin. He was bigger, <laughs> and and he, and he got experience, and he can. I didn't know if he could shoot it as well as he could shoot yeah. it. So you take him out the picture; those other guys. You know those other role guys. Now they got to play basketball. You know, because he's been making it easy for you guys. And we we had a better team. We had uh, Damian is is you know a tough guard. You know, and we had one of those guys in him. I, I can see us winning that even with my antics, man. Me on the outside looking in at the team. Yeah. You know, we had a good team. That was a good team. And I and I saw every player in Australia at the time. We had a good team, man. A great team. So. Yeah,
3: I think they would
0: have won that easy. Easy. Another thing I think, I'm testing my memory, but I think you were part of it just before you went home. The team took a tour of the new arena that was being built. Um, do you remember that? Do, I think you were part of that, and it's remarkable to see what's happened since, and virtually every single game in the nine years since, it's been completely sold out with 13,000 people in that in that new stadium.
2: No, uh, I didn't... Was the new stadium? I didn't get to play at the new stadium, I don't no, think.
0: I did I think we went on a tour while it was still being built. I'm not sure if you not sure if you were Right, right. I had I had, I
2: had to see we we had seen like a, a blueprint or something like that, uh yeah. when I was there. But I but I never got the chance to actually play on it. But no. to see it was the blueprint was crazy. Like that's yeah. the, I thought the gym they played in already was phenomenal, <laughs> but they saying that you can put more people in here. And I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't know Australian basketball was that big, man. Those stands, still those so stands. It was not an empty seat. Like basketball is big over there, man. And you know, and for Perth being the 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 organization that they are, they they needed the stadium in like that because they packed those gyms. That was, that was good to see. That that whole basketball atmosphere is just great. That's a, that's, a, that's a good place to play. If you're a player, you want to play in places like that.
0: Is it on your bucket list to come back to visit
3: one day? I, I hope so. Mm.
2: <laughs> in, in, in the near future, yeah. I, I, I hope so, man. I hope so. A beautiful place, man. It, the weather was good. Like I said, those... those those was one of those places, you know, I'll remember. Like, I've been to a lot of places. I can remember going to Korea. Korea was beautiful. And Australia, Australia. When, when people ask me, you know, what's the best places you've been? Australia and Korea. You know, hands down. Those are some beautiful places that I would, you know, live. If you consider, like, going somewhere outside of America, what other country or what other place would you live? Those would be the two places.
0: Mm. Now, when we, when we look at oh. it, 2011 was a long time ago. Can you just talk me through yeah. talk me through what you've been up to since? I guess firstly, how did your playing career career finish up?
2: Well, I ended up finishing once I left Australia, I had went to a couple other places. I went back I actually went back to Korea yep. in
3: 2012,
2: 13 season. Then I played in Mongolia for uh two seasons. Uh, then I finished up in 16, 2016, 2017, so, uh, but during that time, you know, uh, you're getting things in place kind of toward the end, so I'm glad I, I was able to get those last two or three years in, um, and for me, it was it was really about the traveling, man, like I, yeah. you know, I, I was tired of traveling and being away from my family, it, it was kind of getting to me at an older age, so I'm like, you know, it's time to kind of sit down, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know, financially-wise, and you know, I can, you know, take the time to really chill and be with my family. Lived in Chicago for a while with my wife. Uh, we ended up moving back to Florida. Uh, during that time, I was training. because You know, I kind of always wanted to train. Even during the season, I was training guys. I had turned to a trainer in Mongolia, training some of their younger players and running different clinics and camps there. Um, now, um, three years coaching high school basketball. At American Heritage in Delray, and it's another American Heritage in Florida where a uh, former NBA player, Rajah Bell, coaches there. Yeah, so okay. it's some pretty, it's a, it's a, pretty good basketball out here, and I'm, you know, just trying to establish myself. You know, a Chicago guy, and uh, not too many people know me, but you know, they kind of know me now since so I've been out here, kind of. Uh put myself out there, so you know I've kind of been doing that, man, that's what I love, like i said i don't i i, I haven't lost the love of the game, I, you know I still stay close to it, you know, having my first son was a joy, and you know that's something I'll have him around you know i've i've, I've got my daughters, uh my oldest just graduated from high school wow, uh I have my yeah <laughs> That lets you know how old we are
3: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> so i mean i and my my youngest daughter, she's eight, so she's doing different things, they're all tall. Um, Hopefully, they get in the sports. But other than that, man, just been living life, you know, trying to stay clear of, you know, of this nonsense that's going on and and, and staying safe with my family, man. And, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. But, you know, like I said, we all got to look at the positives from this. And, you know, I'm blessed, man. And I can complain, but I won't, you know, Mm because, you know, we're, we're blessed. So nothing more you can ask for.
0: You talk about how financially you were well-placed after, after your playing career, and I think it's, I think it's important for people to realise, especially guys in your shoes who grow up dreaming of playing in the NBA, but knowing that if that doesn't quite work out, you can quite easily make a very good living playing basketball by doing what you did and going, going overseas. So it's, I think it's important for kids to know, probably that are in high school and college right now, that there's plenty of other opportunities out there if you don't end up making a living from the NBA.
2: Yeah, true. Um when I was simplify, um uh I was in, I, I was just leaving DePaul and I don't know if you know the name, Jawan Howard. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he, okay. He, he's played in the vehicle for a while. And I was, this was one of those times where I was like, yo, I'm an NBA player, man. I'm, I'm not going overseas. I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. an NBA player. It's like, yeah, you know, don't, young fella, don't worry about it. And he's always been my advisor since then. He's, he was the first guy that gave me my first two, two suits. To, yeah. Wow. To where, uh, when you travel. So he was always a guy that I would go to for advice. And he was like, Young, young fella, don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. We know you're an NBA player. Just go work in your game, come back stronger. I'm like, Nah, nah, you know, I, I want to make money here, blah, blah, blah. And he said, <laughs> He said, Let me ask you something. You can make money over there, right? I said, Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, The money's green. <laughs> I said, yeah, the money's great. <laughs> well, go make that money and come back. The NBA will always
3: yeah. be here. And
2: then on, man, I you know, I always was like, you know, whatever opportunity that God blesses me with, I'm going to take it and I'm going to try to grow from that. And from then on, you know, I started, uh, I went overseas for Italy my first year. I ended up playing with Mahmoud mm-hmm. who, uh who, yeah. whose who's name, Chris Jackson from LSU, for guys who don't know, hell of a player. Yeah. He was kind of my mentor on that team, and I got an opportunity to play with him my first year. And you know,
3: it—that's
2: it, why I said I always had guys um, who were older and always advised me, you know, and kind of grew me into that guy. And I was—I was fortunate, man. And you know, it's opportunities everywhere. And you know, and even if—and my mindset, because I come from a strong family. Even if it doesn't work out, you got to have a plan B. Gotta be able to know how to do something else. You know, you can't just be limited, limited to just, you know, sports. And I've always had that in the backfield. Like at first I used to want to be an architect, you know, but end up playing sports. I got too big and, and playing basketball, mm-hmm. you know, takes your attention from everything else. Like it's gotta be all sports and this is what it is. And, you know, I'm like, okay, whenever I retire, I'm gonna get, I, I'm gonna do something I love, you know, and. As the years went on, I kind of gradually got into wanting to be around kids more, kind of wanting to get back and teach more because more kids and more younger, um, more of the younger generation were coming to me for advice, you know, and and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to just be here for these guys and take that and grow with it. And, you know, I never, I never looked back, man. I'm, like I said, I want to grow with this and this is kind of the second phase of your life, the second yeah. Transition. Some guys can do it, some guys can't. But you got to have that motivation and that desire too. Because, like you said, even with basketball, opportunities everywhere, man. And everybody's not gonna make the NBA. <laughs> but like Ju- like Jawan said, the money is bringing over there too.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, um, coach coaching is now something that has no expiry date on it. You could easily do it for the next forty, fifty years of your life.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And end up
0: liking it? Do you imagine? Coaching now being what you do for the rest of your life.
2: Yeah, I can, I can see it. It's, uh, just to kind of keep me around basketball, you know. Whether it's coaching, whether it's training, whether it's being a mentor, whether it's you know anything, man. Because that's been my passion. That's been my love, and you know, this is something I want my kids to see. You know, with, you know, having that fire, that desire with anything. You know, not just sports, just with anything. But this is what I love. This is what got me to where I am and it's only right and fitting that I give back you know because I had guys like Jawan Howard who took me under their wing and kind of showed the way for me you know other guys from Chicago too who kind of paved the way for me and always looked out for me so I just feel in my heart I got to do the same and whether it's coaching or anything teaching I just want to be you know part of that or be that guy.
0: Would you consider going overseas again to coach and could you come down this way to coach? We've got plenty of Americans involved from a coaching sense in the NBL right now no, in uh, person
3: yeah, uh, uh,
0: an assistant coach. We've got Will Weaver as a head coach and, you know, Dean Demopoulos has been down this way. Um, there's plenty of opportunities.
2: Yeah. It's like you said, if the opportunity presents itself, of course, and especially in a place like Australia, that's a beautiful place, man. And, um, being around professionals and already having that pedigree and, and giving them kinda uh my expertise and things I can do to strengthen what they already have going on. Man, that's you know, that's kind of what I want to be a part of. So mm-hmm. I'm open to any opportunity. Um I'm I, this is this is for the love for me. I do this I do this for free, man. I would play for free. This is for the love. I like being around Kids, professionals, I, uh, I, you know, I talk to my coaches now, you know, who've coached me in the past just, you know, to get advice, um, different things. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a fun process because I'm learning all over again, you know, <laughs> from, the, from the other side, you know, and, and it's fun, man. And, yeah, I'm, I'm open to all opportunities.
3: <laughs> so that, yeah, that I
2: started this awesome.
0: discussion asking you what it's like being the father of a newborn son. What was it like being the father of a of a teenage a teenage girl growing up? What sort of a what sort of a dad were you and what's it like now knowing that she's she's graduated high school? Oh,
2: that's tough because the girls are tough. The <laughs> girls are I think a lot tougher than a boy. Mm. Um and and you know, from, from the baby stages they're the the, the, the babies. <laughs> and to see them grow up so fast you because, you know, having my daughter, I was still kinda playing, so I didn't see her as much during my playing time, but got to see her more when I retired. You know, having building that building more of a father daughter relationship and seeing her grow up and um, seeing her uh, have boyfriends now and different things was just crazy to me, man. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So, but you know, you look at it now, graduating, man. You know, she worked hard and you you trying to are okay and proud to know that, you know, you was a part of that growth and a part of that process and part of that, her, her, her path to getting where she is and, you know, hopefully now she takes, takes what she knows, you know, further on down her journey because, you know, it, it's, it's, she's young and she's got a whole life ahead of mm-hmm. her, so. And, and even more so, having a seventeen year old man, I, like, like I said, I feel like an old man. So,
3: <laughs>
2: but, but was it, fun. It's fun raising my kids and and, and um, being being that dad, being that fun dad, man, and being a part of their growth and you know continuing their success. You know, is all you know I try to do.
0: Those potential boyfriends have some of them been pretty scared when they open up the door and, and they find you <laughs>
2: Uh, it took, um, fortunately I, they haven't come my way. So it hasn't been really none of that. <laughs> I haven't I haven't met them. Uh you know, it's just phone conversations but, but not personally. They she's already given them the um uh, the 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 My dad big He's like, now nah, you you don't wanna come over.
3: <laughs>
0: so
2: they take the advice. I as long as you're home by eleven, I'm good with everything. Love you home by eleven.
0: <laughs> very good, very good. Andre, it's been it's been great catching up. I could I could keep talking to you to you all night, but I I do need to let you go. But I'll I'll make sure we stay in touch. And I hope that everyone has enjoyed getting this chance to sort of catch back up with you. And I guess a lot of us saw you for that couple of month period, and and, and didn't didn't really get get to know a lot about you or what you've been right. up to since. So hopefully hopefully everybody's enjoyed listening to this, and hopefully it was good for you to to do some do some travelling back down memory lane as well.
2: Yeah, it, it was. It definitely was, man. You definitely took me back. And I, I appreciate you for having me on. And I just want to say hey to everybody who's listening. God bless you guys. Um, stay patient with their prayers. We're going to be okay, man. I, I miss all Australia. And thanks for having me.
0: Okay. Big thank you to Andre Brown for that interview hopefully you all enjoyed it and and yeah, we spoke a bit about you, you there Sean, Sean as well, and hopefully you enjoyed you know, I guess finding out some of those questions that you had about about what he's been up to since and what he did think about his time in Perth, so yeah, a, a great honor of mine to catch up with him now let's move on to things closer to home Sean. you were getting prepared to play another SBL season in Perth with the Parallax Hawks you were you were there for the preseason blitz, and the season was meant to start the next week, and then all of a sudden. It was postponed, and now, as of last week, it's been been cancelled for good. Um, what's your reaction to the season being called off, and do you think it's the right move? And what sort of an impact does it have have on you personally?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's disappointing, uh, but I think also is to be expected. You know, you saw NBL one come out and cancel theirs pretty quickly. I think you got to realize that the SBL program there Um, they're pretty expensive for these clubs to run and uh, obviously everyone is passionate about but when you've got you know a lot of the junior sports and the domestic comps not being able to currently run it was just going to be a huge drag on a lot of these clubs as well so I think to kind of set them up for the future who knows what the comp was going to look like you're not going to most likely have fans, either, so I think it's the right call by, by the s b l to cancel my understanding is there might be something in the card um as a replacement for mm-hmm. for the s b l um what that looks like uh, I don't know the the full details there, but the you know they're trying to do something to especially give uh give the players a, a chance to play over this period and i guess build into what I think is probably going to happen is you'll have an MBL One West out here as well. So, you know, maybe a chance to kind of save some of those resources and then kind of get MBL One West built up to a point where, you know, kind of kick it off with a bang and I guess give a little bit more planning as well because these, these domestic, you know, these clubs, SBL clubs, yeah, there's a lot of volunteers, there's a lot of people that go in, you know, you know, if you're gonna come and really build up the SBL and potentially I guess the NBL one program, you wanna do it right, so I guess give some time to, and some resources to make sure everything's going well and they can kick off the right way next year.
0: Yeah, I think it was the right decision just because, There's no way for a club to make money through their SBL program if crowds aren't allowed to come to the building. So what's the point of of paying for the competition to go ahead when well, you won't be able to have imports anyway there's no way of making money through it no one's going to be able to see it unless we we stream the games and and that audience is going to be pretty limited and, and not certainly not a money-making audience so yeah i think for the clubs for them to focus on their wobble programs and their junior programs for for, for the you know the coming months and once once the restrictions are lifted and they're and they're able to open up their courts again i think that that's pro- probably the smart move but from a player's point of view especially guys i guess preparing back to the nbl next season or trying to break into the NBL. Now that there's no state league competition anywhere across the country, what sort of an impact does that have on the players that they basically can't play at all this offseason?
1: It it's hard. I mean, you see some of those guys that do play and it really helps them going into that next NBL season because they're already in game shape. They've got game conditioning. They've been able to kind of have the ball in their hands a little bit more so they've got a little bit more confidence um, when they step on the, on the court at the NBL level. It'll be you know, I, I, my guess is some of those guys will miss out on contracts because coaches aren't able to see, see them performing on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, obviously we've all been out of the gym for, for a while. So kind of hurt the, uh, the skill level there yeah. so that from that point of view and then you also look at the guys kind of those nbl one you know your eight nine ten or nbl eight nine ten guys that kind of go and play in the offseason earn a little bit extra cash and um you know able to stay in shape they no longer have that plus they've taken you know up to a 50 percent pay cut um mm-hmm. it's uh it, it's kind of hard and even you know even in today's paper they were talking about some of the afl players really struggling financially so it's uh, you know it's going to be. It, it, I feel for those guys that aren't aren't able to uh, you know go and play. And and I guess one they're going to get minutes, whereas sometimes in the NBL they you know they were getting five ten minutes. A guy like say Reese Bay here in Perth, where, you know, went over and played in New Zealand last year. My my understanding we was he was going to go play again this year. So they're they're kind of really hurt. And then you don't know when when the NBL is going to start as well. So those guys that are out yeah. of contract, so I really feel for those guys because uh, you know a lot of that revenue has dried up for them.
0: Could this also mean that we've seen the last of you playing at this level? Would you consider coming back next season, having 12 months, you know, completely out of out of playing the game?
1: Oh look, I think uh, for myself personally, I, I take it kind of day by day, so. Uh, you know, we're getting across that bridge when we need to. I guess down the track, you, you know, I'd probably say November, December. You know, if you urge to to play, you, you kind of uh, you, you assess the situation there. So I won't say definitively that was this is the the end, but it is, I guess it is a possibility. It's always tough, you know, especially at my age to uh, to I guess to come back after you've been out of the game for a little while. Oh, uh, no, no. No, I, I I would find that that would be a really hard gig, and I think you're doing yourself and your teammates a little bit of a disservice by by going that route. I think you got to do go one or the other. I don't think you can uh, you can do a great um, a great job if if that's um you know by by doing that. It just to me, I think it'd just be too hard.
0: I think you're right, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Let's wrap things up, Sean. It's been a been a big show. We've had plenty to talk about. And when we throw in the interview with Andre as well, it's been been a been a huge episode. So yeah, plenty for us to still still dissect, even though we're in the off season. And one thing I want us to try to have a have a crack at moving forward in these off season episodes is is pick some of our all time best teams. A lot of people have been been doing that in in I guess this isolation period. And I whether it's our all time best all first and second Perth Wildcats teams or the best imports that you've played against, the best Australians that you've played against, um you no. Know, we'll come up with a whole list of different different teams and different different players. I just thought it might be something to, to get get some interaction going with our with our listeners and also to, to get our minds cracking and, and I know that it's something you enjoy trying to, to have a go at picking your best teams. We've had a lot of discussion about if Bryce Cotton or Ricky Grace is the, the best wildcat of all time and discussions like that. So we'll put our minds together and think about all the different type of teams that, that we can we can pick and we'll we'll do one different one each episode. Anything really stick out that you'd be looking forward to so putting your mind mind at, at for that, Sean?
1: Well look, I'm gonna go with the um you know, I like I like the idea, Pikey, and you know, I'll put this out there. The toughest team that I've played against in the NBL and probably the most talented. And I'm going to mm-hmm. go with the uh, 2008 um, Brisbane Bullet team that mm-hmm. uh, that won the title with Sam McKinnon, CJ Bruton. You know they were just uh, you know Dylan Boucher, Evie Ari. You know the guys yeah. that they had on that team were just um, they were much. just even black. You know and and so uh, to me that was the you know Dusty Ricard. Uh, they were the yeah. toughest team and probably the most impressive team and most talented team that uh, that I played against. In Mod Tom at the NBL, so it'd be interested maybe to hear our listeners there that uh, who the all-time greatest NBL team that uh, that you've seen in your time.
0: Yeah, let's throw that out there for this week. That's a great way to start, and then we'll come back with, with something else next week as well, and and get some feedback on that too. So been a big show. Thanks to Andre Brown for joining us. Thanks again, Sean, for for your thoughts on a whole range of things, and hopefully everyone enjoyed tuning in. And thanks again to Hoops Seven for making it all possible. Head to hoop 7comau to get all of your basketball gear I've noticed that they've got some some old 1990s Chicago Bulls gear there's a a 1990 I think it's a 1996 NBA finals Bulls jacket, which Jesus, if if someone wanted to buy that for me, I would almost never take it off. So some amazing things there at Hoop Seven. So make sure you support them. We'll be back again with a big show next time. But as I leave you, what can we have some final thoughts for from the Scoring Machine?
1: Well, I'm just going to go straight out there. We've talked about this. The, you know, obviously Jordan and uh, you know Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. I, I, I have some arguments with my coaches. Um, most of them are a lot younger than me who think LeBron James, but hopefully um the last dance is uh is given a lot of the younger generation a perspective of of how great Michael Jordan was and uh, you know it's kind of just highlighted uh, some of the things that he was able to do it's been been fun to to watch and if you haven't watched the last dance I definitely uh, urge you to uh binge watch that uh, over the next week